Welcome. You are listening to SIB Life Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you would like to know about SIB Life, including our online service time, you can join us online at siblife.my. Father, we thank you for your presence, so real from the very beginning of uh, even today, God. So we, th- we thank you for, Lord, visiting us. Lord, we know church is, there is no meaning even to gather in your house without your presence. But we know for sure this morning, your presence is so real. And you have touched us, you continue to touch us, you continue to speak to us, even through your word. That's how you have revealed, spoken to me, impacted me, Lord, transforming me. We will do the same for all of us this morning. Again, Lord, help me to communicate. Holy Spirit, you are the only, Lord, person that we rely on to know and understand the very heart of God, uh, our Father. So reveal to us the Father heart of God this morning through the Word of God so that we will be transformed to be more and more like Jesus. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, let me ask you something. Now, when you want to change something of old to... New, for example, your shoes. Anybody here, you have changed your old shoes or new shoes before? Okay, some of you. I don't change shoes, Pastor. I wear it for life, okay. I don't think so. So I said, change shoes. I actually have a lots, like lots, many pairs of shoes. Every shoe must match my color of my baju. <laughs> it, it depends. Because Pastor Wagner has a lot of Nike shoes. He, he runs, he runs. Yeah, yeah, that's the reason, all right? The excuse, uh. check, one, two. Okay, thank you, thank you, guys. Thank you, all right? And uh, so usually you buy new or replace, and buy and replace, right? Uh, shoes, clothes, clothes. No, when I buy new clothes, uh, a common thing my wife will tell me, which is a good thing, please throw away your old ones because the cupboard is limited space, all right? So, and me so lazy and feel, throw away. So, oh, you know, I mean, so still okay, you know, still can wear, you know, actually, it's kind of fit. Lah. All right, so, <laughs> so, and then, how about phones, mobile phones? You usually change it, not because necessary, it, it's faulty, it's, maybe you want a better one, a newer one, correct? Yes, yes, you do, right? All right. So, uh, now, what if your teacher or your parents tell you to change your character? How do you do that? You can't buy a character, right? You can't, you can't do that, right? So how do you change a character or a behavior? And anybody can suggest? It's a small church. You can interact with me. Well, difficult question, huh? It sounds like everybody failed in this, in this question. Do you agree if I say we all need a reference point? Say, we want to change to a character. We say, what, what is... You, when you say, such a character is good, better than the other, so you need to have an example, a role model. Correct? You agree? Even if you teach your children uh, how to write, maybe he holds the pen wrongly, you will teach him, this is how you hold the pen. Correct or not? Okay, this is easier, writing, but how about character? You need to show. You need to uh, exemplify. Now, when it comes to a changing character... Or how about, say, changing darkness? Let's say you come into this place, it's, 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 uh, no, I mean, it's dark, 
The first thing you do, of course, you need to source of light. You need to find out ways of switch, turn it on. So, and, so why do we want to study the book of Matthew? I told you before we're going to study the book of Matthew, right? And this is exactly, uh, we, our theme this year is new heart, new spirit. All right, everybody say new heart, a new heart, a new spirit. So if we want to have a new heart, new spirit, to gain a new heart, new spirit, uh, it has to be from the life of Jesus. Our, the only reference point that matters in our life. Like really, really important, all right? His words, His works, not man's words, not man's works, that, so that we may have a heart like Jesus and live a life like Jesus, all right? That's what it means to be Christ-like. So that is why when the Lord revealed the theme for this year, A New Heart, A New Spirit, immediately He spoke to me, studied the book of Matthew, and Matthew wrote, of course, the whole entire life and, and the words and the works of Jesus. So today, I'm going to give you an introduction of Matthew, but it's not just introduction. Usually, introduction is quite boring, right? But it's very important. When you get the introduction right, we will be really diving in amazing journey with the 28 chapters of the book of Matthew. All right, first of all, uh, the author is, of course, Matthew. He was the disciple of Jesus, uh, Levi, who is a Jew, a tax a collector. Now, you don't find his name written, say, this, this uh, gospel is written by uh, Matthew, but the early church fathers in the first century, in the second century, a few of them, namely the most famous like Papias and Irenaeus, uh, they... Uh, verify that actually it is written by the disciple uh, Matthew. All right, that's number one. There's a little bit of uh, info for you. Uh, at least you can understand what we're reading, all right? Uh, it is one of the three synoptic gospels. What is synoptics? This is what we learn in the Bible school. Um, there are three synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is not called synoptic because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, actually, they are quite similar. That's called synoptic, again. And the whole rule of studying this whole synoptics, okay, you go to Bible school. It's not for us this morning, all right? It's pretty long. We have a whole entire semester on that. But what I'm trying to say is that they, what this word synoptic means, it means see together with a common view. Basically, there are few different angles. It's like few different people seeing the same thing, but you're writing it from a different angle. Uh, that's what it means, synoptics. And of course, the Gospel of John, some of the things that John written. Quite similar, but yet a lot of things that John written quite different than these three uh, synoptic gospels, all right? And so the gospel of Mark introduced Jesus as a servant, the son of man. The gospel of Luke introduced Jesus as the savior of the world. And the gospel of John introduced Jesus as the son of God. Uh, basically, the, the central theme of of that gospel, that what it means. It huh? doesn't mean they don't mention about Jesus being the saviour of the world in, in the other gospel. Basically, how he wanted us, the reader, to see Jesus. But the gospel of Matthew is the king of the Jews. And the interesting thing is, in the gospel of Matthew, the only gospel of the four gospels that ever uses this phrase called kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of God, yes, few other Gospels use, and total there are 36 times. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, heaven count the word just kingdom itself. So Matthew wanted us to know something about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And so this Gospel is written by a Jew for the Jews, king of the Jews, right? You know Jesus when he was crucified on the cross, what was the 
thing, uh, the signboard on the top of the cross is the king of the Jews, all right? Hang on to this phrase. I'm going to talk to you about this. It's very powerful, all right? So, and it's about the king of the Jews. So, now, the interesting thing is Matthew quotes a lot extensively, probably the most compared to the other three Gospels from the Old Testament. Why? Because his first readers were the Jews. The Jews know the Old Testament, all right? And, but of course, doesn't mean he only uh, came to save the Jews, but this king is a savior of the world, all right? That's important for us to understand as we study along. The fourth most Im- interesting thing is it is positioned as the first gospel in our New Testament, though not the first written. The first written were because of Mark, then Matthew, then Luke, then John. So the question is, why uh, does the, uh, the uh, Bible, has in the, the, when, when we canonize the Bible, they arrange it in such a way to place Gospel of Matthew as the first gospel, first book of the New Testament? There's a very important reason to it, which you're going to learn uh, today. So the Gospel of Matthew, it's kind of like being said to be the bridge between Old Testament and the New Testament. If you start, if you finish the Old Testament and then you start reading from the Gospel of Mark, you, don't, you, you can't really get the transition, all right? But if you finish Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, and you start reading the Gospel of Matthew, uh, instead of reading it chronologically, where, where it's written, the first written, right? So it's beautiful. You will see the transition. And uh, let me give you two very important reasons of, of this whole bridge. Number one, God fulfills His promises, all right? In the Gospel of Matthew, it's referred a lot back to the Old Testament about the prophecies being fulfilled. In the New Testament, especially Jesus fulfilled those promises, all right? And why is that important? I'll show it to you shortly. Now, uh, example, you will read about uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which is referring to Isaiah, uh, fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And Jesus' uh, parents, I mean, Joseph and Mary took Jesus, went to Egypt. You know the story? We'll come to that in chapter 2 or chapter 3. It was written in Hosea chapter 11 and so on. You will find that this phrase, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying 10 times. And then you follow by an Old Testament quotation. And many words and deeds of Jesus was, were to fulfill the Old Testament. And the most important thing is, in Jesus' life, more than 300 prophecies in the Old Testament, He fulfilled. This is not kebarang kalian, or probability. For the probability for you to, you know, someone, I taught this lesson before, to, to, it's like how many trillions, don't know how many zeros are there, just to, one probability, a chance. But Jesus fulfilled 300 prophecies. He cannot be any ordinary man. All right, we'll come to that as we go along the whole studies. The second uh, reason why it is a bridge from the OT to the NT is because, you see, since Malachi, for 400 years, it's not short, huh? God didn't give a single word. At the end of Malachi, then God went silent. He didn't give a single word to the people of Israel. And all of a sudden, in, chapter, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, God broke his silence. And we're going to read later, how did he really uh, introduce, in fact, or start speaking his word uh, to the people of Israel? 
All right? And so, in fact, he did not just give his word, but he is giving the word himself to us. Old Testament, he gave us his word, as in word. New Testament, he gave us the word himself. Remember, John chapter 1, verse 1, verse 14 says what? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. It is referring to Jesus. And verse 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. That's Jesus. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. You see, the Jews can connect. When they read the Gospel of Matthew, they actually can connect back to the Old Testament. It's very important for the Jews, all right, Old Testament. And uh, so God doesn't want just to give us another word. He wants to give us Himself, the word. That's why, friends, God didn't just want His words proclaimed. He wanted His his word personified. The word became a person Himself to us. In Malachi, it ended with a curse. You read the last verse. In the Gospel of Matthew, it begins with good news. Don't you like that? It ended with a curse. It begins with good news. It means there is new hope. There is new beginning. There is new testament. And there is a new king being introduced to the Jews. And of course, a new king would want to have a new people. So what I want to speak to you today, I want to entitle my introduction to you as a new king, a new people. Everybody say a new king, a new people. So we have a new heart, a new spirit. How can we have a new heart, a new spirit? We've got to have a new king and a new people, becoming a new people. The word king and kingdom 74 times appeared in the book of Matthew, the most of all the New Testament. You can ever see this word. In other words, Matthew was giving us a very strong emphasis about the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness, versus the kingdom of the world, versus the kingdom of Satan. So in other words, if we get this right, you gotta have, you definitely have the power to overcome the kingdom of darkness of Satan of the world. You want that? That's Matthew, all right? So he's, uh, he's telling the Jews that the king, the Messiah, the son of David, that Jehovah God that has promised has already come. Those are the references I give you from the Old Testament. You can read that. In fact, right, in the Old Testament, the Jewish nation was God's kingdom on earth. Remember, he told through Moses, he told the people of Israel in Exodus 19, you will be for me a kingdom of priests. This is the first time this phrase is being introduced in 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 Exodus. Can you imagine they're running out from Egypt? They are still in the wilderness. They are now in transition and God gave this, you are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, all right? And they've, that's where First Peter, he picked that up. He said, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood or a kingdom priesthood, that a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out. Everybody say, called you out. Say it louder, called you out. Called you out of darkness, out of Egypt, out of our old life into His wonderful light. You see, this is very powerful. The the phrase called you out being in the same verse of a kingdom priesthood. 
kingdom called you out. What has that got to do with that? The word church, everybody say church, was first introduced by Jesus himself in the book of Matthew. The only gospel of the four gospels ever used his word. And what did Jesus say? I will build my church. I will build my church. This is where the two verses are referenced to this word church. And the word church here is ecclesia. As we know that, we have probably learned that. It comes from two words of Greek, ekaleo, which is out, call, and which means we are called out assembly. The Israelites being called out from Egypt, and God has a, purpo- has a purpose, has a plan for them to the promised land. So we have been called out from darkness into the marvelous light of Christ. Anybody have called out from darkness? Wave your hands, please. And so here, in 1 Peter, I want to get that. What did he say? Kingdom priesthood and being called out. So you can't separate the kingdom of heaven and the church of Jesus Christ. Anybody here belong to the church of Jesus Christ? Come on, wave your hand. So when you say, I go to church, not about church, not about SIB life, but you are, you are, you are entering into that kingdom of heaven. So that's how powerful. When you say, I'm a Christian, when you say, I'm a follower of Christ, you belong to the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Tell your friend next to you, you belong to the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven, that phrase appears 31 times in the book of Matthew. There's a lot of times, by the way, all right? The most ever you can ever feel in the Bible. For example, uh, John the Baptist, when he came out in Matthew 3, you're going to study that. He came out and he says, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And he, when he introduced the kingdom of heaven, the first thing he asks people to do, repent. Everybody say repent. We can't say, I want to belong to the kingdom of heaven, but I still want to live in my own way of life. You can't. You have to repent. And then Jesus himself said, when he, uh, Jesus was being said about Jesus, sorry about that, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogue, Matthew 4, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. By the way, it's verse 23, not verse 3, all right? There's a typo there. Chapter 4, verse 23. He proclaimed, Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sicknesses among the people. That's the beginning of his ministry. And then in chapters 10, when he sent out the 12, what did he command them to do? He said, you proclaim this message. What message? The message is about the kingdom of heaven has come, which is the king of heaven himself has come. Now, let me just ask you something. Imagine for a moment, let's just say, uh, one man suddenly walked through this door. He walks in here, and then he says that, I'm a king. <laughs> you like, all right? What would you ask first? Kingdom. Which kingdom? Okay, and then? Especially when he said, kingdom of heaven. What would be the question you ask? Uh, Next. Which heaven? <laughs> All right, okay. 
Okay, okay, let's, let's. What would you ask next? How, how a, a human, a man, what would you ask? What's the proof? What's your credentials? What kind of a background you have? Right? So when a, I've been asked a lot of times, maybe you have asked before and you, you haven't got an answer, right, in a sense. A lot of people ask me seriously, especially when I visited Sabah Sarawak, you know, they ask, why, why Jesus have to be born as a baby? If he's God, he can just come to earth, appear, I'm a man now. You know, he can do that. There is, when we study Matthew chapter 1, it will just blow your mind away. Why would God decide and choose to come has born as a baby and grew up to become a, a man and then crucified? Why he did that? Thing, I'm a king of heaven. Would you believe him? Think about that for a while. Everything that God does has a reason and there's an answer to it. You will find the answer in Matthew chapter 1. Or, I mean, the whole bad view of God's chapter 1, we're going to look at, look at that. And so the, uh, Matthew, what he did was, he actually gave us uh, the, the, the answer to this question, all right? Why didn't he just come and appear like this? He gave us the heredity of the king. Heredity means the, the it, like inheritance, like, you know, the... Um, you will find in chapter 1 itself, in the verse, first 17 verses, Jesus' human heredity. you see that shortly. And then the second part of chapter 1, you will see His divine heredity. So Jesus was not just a man, He was God. Alright? Both. 100% man, 100% God. Now, the question is, of course, some people thought, the other side of the religion, thought that Jesus was a created man and we made him God. The Christian made him God. But is that so? No. All right? Of course, we all know that Jesus was God, became man. All right? So, that's important. So, for this purpose of today, I want to show it to you now. We're going to trace the, ge the genealogy, of course, of Jesus. Uh, Matthew chapter 1. All right? Look at that. Now, how many of you have ever traced your genealogy before? You know, you, know, you did. How many generations back? Four, five? Four. Four, okay, not too bad. Four. Mostly about four. I only trace it back to my grandparents, that's it. <laughs> I didn't trace, they just appear. <laughs> oh, you're my grandparents, okay. <laughs> Anybody here, you trace further, you know your ancestors. Like, wow, uh, Sander, how many generations back? Like many, 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 many. Wow, that is like many, 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 many. Okay, now I want to ask something. What if you trace your genealogy, what if, and you found that somebody in your ancestors, they were king? Wow. You got royalty blood, right? You're supposed to like go and, if there is any election of Agonga, you should go and. Uh, how about you find out, wow, they are very wealthy, rich people. Your ancestors, you must be thinking, what happened to me today? <laughs> <laughs> or you found that, wow, we have very generous men of your ancestors. Wow, okay, not bad, not bad. Uh, then I better change my, myself to be more generous than me like that, right? How about you discover they were liars? Like, very bad liars. They were probably adulterers. They were probably prostitutes. Would you go and tell people, those are my ancestors, you know? 
Would you do that? Come on, be honest. Like you, like you would think twice, right? But you know what? All this makes Jesus' genealogies very beautiful and powerful because you find all those people in his genealogy, which is very interesting. And why? We look at that. Matthew chapter 1. You still alive? Yeah. Want to learn Matthew? Yeah. Okay. Verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, and the son of Abraham. Can I repeat that? Pay attention to this. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. All right, here we go. Verse 2. Daniel Raut was the father of Wagner Daniel. <laughs> Wagner Daniel was the father of David Wagner. All of a sudden, he paid very full attention to me. <laughs> and all of you must be thinking, I know, I know the guy you mentioned. I know, I know. You pay a little bit attention, right? Come on. What I'm trying to say here is that be very honest. Come on. Honest people go to heaven. How many of you skip reading the genealogy of Jesus when you read the book of Matthew? Come on. Okay. A few of you very honest. Okay. My point is, usually we pay very little attention when our names is not there. Why do I want to care about these names? I don't even know them. And so difficult to read some of their names. I can't even pronounce them properly, you know. You probably see me, I mean, listen to me later reading it. They're strong, pastor, they're strong. Doesn't matter, I still go to heaven. All right? So, what if, what if, listen, what if, if it is a guest list of the king inviting you to be part of his family line? Wow. Right? God wanted these names to be recorded, listen to this before we read, not for himself. He doesn't need it. It's for us. So, better pay attention. Here we go. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez. And Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Everybody say Tamar. Yeah, important name there. We go talk about that. Alright, so you read on. Of course, no time to read the whole thing. Huh? You go back and read it. I want you to pay attention to the few things here. Alright, let's look at verse five. Salmon, not the one you eat. The father of Boaz. Remember, I preached it last year. History maker. If you missed that sermon, go and listen to our YouTube. It's a very powerful word of God there. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was who? Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. Everybody say, King David. Say again, King David. Not David. What is King David? It's a difference, right? King David. Carry on. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Who's Uriah's wife? Bathsheba. You know who's Bathsheba, right? All right. You know what happened between David and Bathsheba, right? Can you imagine that is Jesus' ancestors, okay? And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, the whole list are the kings, all right? We don't have time to read that. In fact, one of the kings, are uh, Uzziah, he became a king at 16, verse 9 there. Actually, he, he died of leprosy because he was very arrogant. Can you imagine your ancestors come from there? All right, anyway, carry on reading. Verse uh, 12, after the exile, 
to Babylon. Zechariah was the father of Shetel. If you remember, we studied Ezra last year. Ah, these are the names from the exile, Pembuangan, all the way up to verse 16. Follow me. 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and met... Wait, wait, wait. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, he didn't say that Joseph, the father of Jesus. Do you see the switch? It says, husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah, or the Bible in BM say Christus, Christ. Messiah is his Hebrew name. Christ is in Greek, all right? Or Christos is the right word in Greek. Christ is English. <laughs> all right, it's English. Verse now, verse 17, can you follow this? Finish this. Verse, there were 14 generations. Say 14. In all from Abraham to David, 14, say 14 again, from David to exile to Babylon, and 14, say 14 again, from the exile to the Messiah. So there are, there were three, there are three 14 generations written by Matthew here, right here. Now, what I want to share with you today, about a new king, a new people, but first we bring it down to genealogies. Why would Matthew want to introduce the king of heaven to us using a genealogy? which is quite boring, all right? But not really. Why is Jesus' genealogy vital, number one? Because it is the evidence that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of David, the promised king by the Old Testament prophecies. Genealogy is very important for the Jews. Very, very important, all right? Maybe to some cultures. I think the East Malaysians do. They track as well. Because it provides tribal memberships. Do you really belong to this tribe or not? Not just your tribal membership, but also do you have the right for the inheritance or not? You see, it's important then to establish Jesus' rights to David's throne. Because that is what is prophesied, that the Messiah will come from David's throne, son of David. You see? So, and... The genealogies to validate the fulfillment of prophecies is critical. The Messiah must, is a must, be the son of David. That is, that is being prophesied. And so, in verse 1, how did it start? This is the genealogy of Jesus. What? The Messiah. What did he say? The son of David and it is the son of of Abraham. These are two very important men, forefathers of the Jews. The word David in this 17 verses, five times it appears. In other words, you better pay attention. The most. Son of David, 10 times in the book of Matthew. And the most interesting thing is, why did Matthew divided them into this 14, 14, 14 generations? You see, in the Hebrew language, they don't have numbers like one, two, three, four, five, six. No. They use letters, Hebrew letters, to replace it with, for numbers. All right? All right? So, and it's called gematria, the, the word for it. All right? It's, it's a term. And so the number 14 in Hebrew is the 
in our language, DVD. And Hebrew doesn't have vowels, A-E-I-O-U, don't have. And so, if you put that together, David, which of course, we add the vowels in, easy for us to read, has, uh, has uh, English or BM speaking people, or Daud, you will find that it's four, six, and four. Total is how much? 14. You see, the intentionality of Matthew trying to communicate a message to us that Jesus is the son of David from that line of genealogy. It's very important. If Jesus is not the son of David, he is not qualified to be the Messiah. And by the way, Messiah, for us, Messiah. But for the Jews, Messiah is the king that God has promised them to come and save them to the whole Israel. You, are you following me so far? It's very important. All right? Number two. It is important because it's evidence that Jesus was God, became man. Without the genealogies to begin with, it is hard to help the Jews to recognize, understand this Jesus is actually God who became man, not just an ordinary man. It's a divine birth, not, a hum, of, not of human will, which is uh, um, the birth of uh, Jesus through Mary. Remember verse 16 we read earlier? There is no Joseph, the father of Jesus. Did you notice that? Is Joseph the husband of Mary, then Mary the mother of Jesus. And... In fact, later on, you read in the second half of Matthew chapter 1, this is how, what it says here. I'll just give you some, some snippets of it, which you will hear uh, in the next sermons. She was found to be pregnant through what? The Holy Spirit, not of human will, of course, because they have not, uh, you know what I mean? You are to give him the name Jesus. Look at that, look at that. Because he will what? Save his people from their... Since can I, can I pause it for a while, especially for people on the other side of the religion, if you're listening to this, I hope, I pray you will. Saving his people from their sins is different than pointing people to the right direction so that their sins will be forgiven. It's different. Saving the people from their sins is different. You getting that? You say So, number two, Verse 22. The only God can do that, by the way, in verse 21. All this took place to fulfill, see, what the Lord has promised in the Old Testament, the prophet. 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah 7, 14 is referring to that. Old Testament. Emmanuel means God with us. It's very powerful. This is going to be very powerful. Okay, this. Matthew started with God with us and he ended in Matthew chapter 28, last verse, Jesus says, and I will surely be with you to the very end of the age. Do you see that? Do you see, do you feel Jesus is sitting next to you now? I'm not talking about your friend, huh? but seriously, do you understand? God with us, not for a while, surely, definitely, I will be with you to the very end of the age. 
if you connect these two, God with us is not an ordinary kind of warrior. People say the God showed down for a while and then he went home and then he take a take a you know trip holiday or whatever. It is he's with us through the very end of the age. Now listen to me, especially those who are listening from the other side. I pray that you do. Ordinary men cannot be with us to the very end of the age. Only God can. So his genealogy is the evidence that God with sorry, God became man. I don't, you know what makes the whole genealogy beautiful? Is the verse 16 we read earlier. Without this verse, it's just any ordinary genealogy. Alright, let me carry on. Number third reason, or oh, this is the most beautiful for me. It shows God's wonderful grace and inclusiveness. What do I mean by that? You will find in this genealogy, you do not just have very wealthy people and powerful people like Abraham was wealthy, by the way. David, of course, king, right? Boaz, very rich, generous. Jesse, also quite well-to-do. But you will also find very lowly and poor people like Rahab was a prostitute. You know the Rahab story, right? All right. Joseph was a carpenter. Mary, of course, both Joseph and Mary were just normal peasants. You will find white-collar people, blue-collar people, B40, M40, T20 are all in there. <clears throat> and Jesus associated with wealthy people, high-positioned people. You read the book of Matthew, you'll find that. Powerful people. Levi, of course, was tax collector. He was rich. Jairus, you know, was an officer, high positions. The rich young man, Zacchaeus. He also associated with the lowly people like the blind beggars, the poor widows, the rejects, you know. And that is why if you are wealthy and listening to this, you are wealthy like a tycoon, like a big businessman or datoks. Um, don't mean you have grandchildren, but datoks and tansri, you know. Let's have a heart and live like Jesus, have a heart like Jesus. Go la, visit some small churches. Don't just belong to some rich churches. Sometimes I feel that it, there's a very unhealthy distribution of wealth among churches, which is man-made. Because people with positions, datuks, tanshris, wealthy tycoons, they will want to flock together with people who like play golfs, But that is not the Jesus I know. The kind of profession and your career that you have. Think about that. What else do we find there? This is Jesus' ancestors, uh, poor, lowly. Uh, you will also find imperfect people, sinners. Abraham lied about his own wife. Do you like that, wives? Your husband lied about you? No. If your husband sits next to you, you better don't do that, right? Okay. Isaac copied his father. He lied to about his wife. Rahab was a prostitute. Do you like that? David was uh, 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 committed sin with Bathsheba. Solomon, man, how many concubines he had. But he was supposed to be the wisest. 
I mean, funny, right? You read genealogy of Jesus like this, right? And you look at Jesus in Matthew, you see he ate with sinners, he ate with the outcasts, the adulterous woman, prostitutes, he touched the lepers, he, he's here for sinners. And he associated with the Samaritan woman. I mean, you name all this. He likes that. How about educated and uh, people and less educated people? It's all there. Solomon, of course, was the wisest. Boaz is considered... Uh, uh, Educated, Joseph, Mary was probably less. Rahab, a prostitute, doesn't need to go to school. A prostitute. Jesus, he associated with lowly people, fishermen. Paul, educated, fishermen, they were less educated. Perhaps it's time for us to break the divides of students, children go to international school and children go to Gebangsaan school. They are, go to different churches. Should we not break that? Hello? You don't see Jesus separate his genealogy this way. It's all in the line. We learn something from there, right? He's inclusive, not exclusive. Widows, orphans. Tamar was a widow. Ruth, you read that, orphans and widows. Jesus reached out to all of them. By the way, the widow in Jesus' uh, example, she came and gave two coins. And Jesus said she gave the most offering. Now, how many of you know that? How many of you know that? Listen to me. He said that in front of all the rich people. That means the rich and the poor, so to speak, B40, M40, T20, go to the same church. Are you following me on this? They're going to worship if you are rich, the Bible says, you, 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 you bring your lamb, your goats has sacrifice, offering. If you are not so, you bring pigeons. But they don't have a different church for that. Church for the pigeons, church for the lamb. Same altar they sacrifice. So today you give offering. You know, they are giving so little, unless God doesn't judge you this way. He's inclusive. How about the young people have a place. King Uzziah became king, he was 16. Mary, only 16, about 15, 16, when she was pregnant with Jesus. God used young people. David, was a, um, he appeared in the Bible, was just a shepherd boy of 16 years old, around there. Jesus, if you read, he reached out to the children, he welcomes the young. So when we go into a church that few with young people like SIB Life here, don't say, wow, everybody here is so young, I better go there. She got old people here. Change a bit of mindset. You come here and say, wow, so many young people, I have more opportunity to be like a Moses to Joshua, like a Paul to Timothy, like an Elijah to Elisha. If you don't have this mindset, you're going to have Moses in a house of God, there is no Joshua. You don't have Pauls in the house of God, there is no Timothy. If you don't have Elijah in the house of God, there is no Elisha. Start to change our thinking. Oh, so many young people here. I better go to the other church called old people. Precisely, you have more opportunity to be a spiritual parent. Young people have got a place. If your friend sitting next to you is young, say, you have a place in Jesus' list. You know what I like most? What I like most, usually men, of course, is being highlighted. But do you know that in this genealogy, women are also involved? Do you know Jews don't record women's names in the genealogy? 
But Matthew intentionally records women's name in the genealogy. And prostitutes are more, Rahab. Goodness. Ruth. What a, we call it unlucky. If it is a modern term, we call it. Tamar. If you read her story, wow, man. She dressed herself like a prostitute to entice the father-in-law. You read that story? Genesis 38. And we marry, of course, there. Unusual. You know why? Because we serve a God who does not discriminate women. You play as important role as the man when it comes to building the house of God. Come on. If a woman sitting next to you say, you are very important. No discrimination, no segregation in the kingdom of God. And I pray my desire that SIB Life will be the kind of church there will be datoks who serve with us. There will be somebody who comes from a very poor family. You are still part of us. And we go to the same church and not you just go to the other service, that service. We belong to the same church. You can bring your pigeons. You can bring your lamb. We all eat together. Or eat together. Worship together. Eat together. Pull up. Okay. You talk about lamb, is food. If Matthew, okay, look at this. Huh? If Matthew really cares about what the Jews, Jews, or even everybody else like us would think about the unworthy people included in Jesus' genealogy. If you are Matthew, think about it. Wait a minute. Huh? Tamara. Better don't write her name. Huh? Abraham, liar. Better don't write her name. Huh? Rahab, prostitute. Don't write her name. You think about that. Women, don't write her name. If Matthew would think like that, right? Probably like, probably you would think like that, right? I better not. Like how? God, if I know my, my ancestor is a prostitute, I better don't tell people who's my ancestor. But no, Matthew intentionally included in this, this genealogy, and it's not for me, Daniel Tan, or Wagner Daniel, it's for Jesus Christ. Why? Because that is a truth. Think about that. And why, more importantly, perhaps God wants us to live like Jesus, inclusive. If Jesus' genealogy can be from different kinds of backgrounds, why not the church? Why do we have cliques in the church? I only speak BM, I talk to BM people. I only speak Chinese, I talk to the Chinese people. Let's break that down. This entire unspoken maybe, segregation or unintentional maybe. Amen? Some are well-known in this list. Some are not. Some you don't even know. Ah, this name existed. I never know until I read here. Every single person is important in the kingdom of God. Doesn't matter your background. Amen? That's how much Jesus loves us, right? It brings me to the fourth and about the last one, another one, but this is a short one. In Christ, we inherit the kingdom of heaven. You see, Jesus' genealogy doesn't stop there. It stops with him as a son, I mean the Messiah, but it continues on with us now being the children of God. The Bible says in Galatians 3, and now that you belong to Christ, 
Anybody belong to Christ? You are the true children of Abraham. Remember, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 says, Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, son of Abraham, you know, we are now the children of Abraham, which is the Abrahamic covenant, is the blessing that God gave Abraham flows down to us because of Christ Jesus, even though we are not from Israel, I mean, we are not Jews. Why? You are his heirs. Heirs means bewaris, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to who? Us, us. Which means you are blessed. We are all children of God. So we, which means we should be living like a children of God in the kingdom of heaven. By the way, in case you don't know, God doesn't have grandchildren. We are all children of God. Don't behave like a grandchild, right? And God doesn't have favoritism, which we see that, right? So bring me to the last point here is, all of us inherit kingdom of God, we are all kingdom of priests, and that is why we must live for our king. Live for our king. Matthew 6.33. This is a very famous verse. We, we read that a lot. Come on, help me to read this verse together. One, two, three. Come on. Sit, read louder. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Great. We, we want all these things. And the Bible says, all this means whatever. You know, this text context about what you worry here, worry there, you want this, you want that, you know. You want help, better health, you want better uh, income, better finance, better job, better wife, cannot, uh, better, you know, okay, once you marry, you cannot, better wife already. Better children, you give birth, you say, I cannot have better children, right? So it means you raise them up in the Lord to become better children, all right? So the point is this, you want all these things, but we don't focus on all these things, it will be added to you as well. But the key here is says, you seek first. Now, the word here, seek. Everybody says seek. Do you know something? Every day we seek for things. Like you seek for your, I don't know, your handphone. You seek for your house keys, car keys. You, later after this, you seek for restaurant to eat. You're seeking for life partners. <clears throat> I don't know what. You, you seek, you go shopping, you seek for the shop. Every day we seek for something, right? But hey, what do you seek first? What actually do you seek first? The word seek here means you, you really desire for something. You go and look for it. Always desire kingdom values. When you do that, you always will learn to live in submission to the king. When we don't live in submission to the king, it means we deliberately reject the commands, the decrees of the kings. In Malaysia, we call it treason. In the England, you can say anything you want about their king, correct? It's called human rights they have. In Malaysia, you try to post something, pose, not even use your mouth. Wow. Go to jail. Got it or not? I thank God for such a rule in Malaysia. Sometimes so much human rights, we really don't know how to honour and respect even king. We do the same for human king, worse still, we do the same for our heavenly king. 
I want you to pay attention to this carefully. What do you seek first? What do you seek first? The kingdom of heaven is here. The king of heaven has already come. What do we seek first? His kingdom, whatever that is of his kingdom, this king, this kingdom, and his righteousness, not our rights. Different, huh? We have so much democracy, human rights on planet Earth today, we actually bring it into the church that we actually forgotten how to honour, submit to King Jesus. Do you know something? We have no problem, I guarantee you, to read the book of Mark, that Jesus is the servant. In Mark that says that, Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but to serve, right? We love people to serve us. Jesus are more, you know, wow. We have no problem, Jesus is our saviour. Wow, everybody wants to be saved. Forgive our sins. That is uh, 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 Luke. We have no problem, Jesus, son of God. John introduced to us, emphasised the son of God because Jesus is God. Very good. But very few people would want to see Jesus as their king. Because if you truly see Jesus as a king, it requires us to submit 100%. Jesus said, remember I preached the sermon, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Why did He say that to the devil? The devil told Him, if you bow down and worship Me. If today you don't bow down and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you will bow down to worship the King of the world because everyone is seeking for something in our lives. What do you seek for? A new job, a new this, a new that, career, successful, money. No, nothing wrong. But what is first? And? What is this? Is N, not or. And all, whatever you seek for, will be given to you. The word given is added to you as well. So, the kingdom of heaven is here. The new king has come, but he asked for a new people. Will you be a new people? Jesus is not any ordinary king. He is the king of heaven that has come down from the highest to the lowest. He didn't come to seek, the king doesn't come to seek for the royalties. One of the things about, very famous about our current Agong, he likes to hang out in Gerai Gerai. Alright? You imagine that is the king, this is Agong on earth, you know, from the palace of Malaysia to the streets of the, the people, the peasants. You're talking about from the palace in heaven to the lowest of the lowest. For who? For you and for me. Remember I said, why did Matthew recorded this? Perhaps for us to learn. Do you realise that Jesus didn't come to get what He wanted, He come to give what we need? And He didn't even give 99%, He gave 100%. He has total ownership of all of us. So I'm asking you to give your 100% to Him. Let me close with this. You know, 
there was a great Bible teacher of the 20th, 21st century by the name of uh, David Pawson. Uh, he's passed away, the late David Pawson. He wrote of once he experienced in a church, he, was, uh, he asked a friend, a missionary, to share her testimony. And so she said she was saved, come to know Jesus, because she read the genealogy of Jesus. Like everybody was like, why? Uh? Why not John 3.16? Uh? Why genealogy of Jesus? So they were anticipating for, for, him to, to, uh, for her to answer. And this is what she said. She said that I actually have heard about Jesus like, you know, what, which American don't hear about Jesus? Jesus Christ. That's what always they say, right? But he said, I, I was, I mean, he, but I knew him as a figure on the, what do you call that, the glass windows, you know, all the church glass windows, got Jesus' figure there. Uh, I knew he wasn't real. Until one day, I read the Matthew chapter 1, and suddenly I realized that he must have been a real person because he has a real family tree. So I surrendered to him. Just, just that. Right? The king of heaven wants to be our king. Not just in heaven, here, our heart. Are you willing to be his people? I invite you to read with me, study with me, dig with me, ask questions and discover this king of heaven as we read, study the book of Matthew. It's not just a man. He's a king of heaven. The Jews back then, they miss the Messiah. Let us not miss Him. Amen? When we come to understand who Jesus came from, we will come to understand who Jesus came for. Can I repeat that for you? When we come to understand who Jesus came from, we will come to understand who Jesus came for. And you are in that list. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to give you a chance here to surrender your life fresh and new to Jesus this morning. The King of Heaven has come already here with us but make sure he is a king in your heart in your life some of you today you you have not truly have jesus the son of god in your life has your lord your savior your king that means you are not truly uh, have yet believed in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're born in Christian home, doesn't matter. You know, I, I just came from Miri. Last week I was in Miri. I've, I, in my session, 100 of them, I asked them a question. Why are you a Christian? And many of them say, because they're born in a Christian home. Man, that is not what it means a Christian. It means the followers of Christ. So this morning, I want to give you a chance having known that Jesus is God who became man and He wants to be the King of your life, the Savior of your life, may it be 
this morning is your chance. Don't leave this place without Jesus becoming your personal Lord and Saviour. Can I ask you to, to just do a simple thing? If you're here, say, yes, Pastor, I, I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Saviour. First time, before you had never done this before. This is the first time you want Jesus to be in your heart, to be your Lord and your Saviour. If you yes, say yes, can I ask you to raise your right hand for me to see enough? Everybody, close your eyes. Thank you. Now, if you have done before, you don't need to raise your hand, all right? I repeat myself. You have already done it before, don't need. But first time, you really mean it this time. You want Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. Please raise your right hand. One, two, three. Raise your right hand if you are here. Anybody? I trust that all of us are believers. But I'm going to ask one last question here. You want Jesus to be your king. You want to inherit this kingdom. You want Him to be truly your king in your heart. Live for Him. Truly live for Him. Perhaps you may fall under one of those categories that the world, the people of this world would despise. But the Lord, by His grace, he has brought us into His family. And you, you say, oh, yeah, I want to be part of this family. I have never been, maybe I'm a Christian, but I just felt so being maybe rejected, neglected, being excluded. But today I want to tell you that Jesus, the true Jesus we love, we believe in, who loves us, he, His grace has brought us into His family. He is inclusive. He's never exclusive. I want to pray for you. If you say, yes, it's me, Pastor. Just put to your, your, both of your hands raised to the Lord wherever you're seated. I want to pray. There's a sign of surrender to God. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for people here raising their hands before God wherever they are seated, Lord. You make, Lord, um, you, you, truly, you become the king of their lives. As we study the book of Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, we want to know you as our king. We want to serve you, surrender to you, submit to you as our King. Because we know when we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, everything else that we need is going to be added to us. And so I pray today, right now, even as we, Lord, uh, come before you, humble ourselves, we worship you as our King. Not the world, not the devil, but Jesus alone is our King. So maybe perhaps some of them feel like one of those rejects or neglects or nobodies but God we thank you Lord Jesus your wonderful grace has brought us into your family we are not being rejected neglected or sidelined but we are part of your family because of your grace and so I want to release this grace and blessing to your people this morning thank you Lord receive the grace of God come and receive the grace from this king of heaven I can sense that God is touching you right now Receive that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Come on, make him king. Let's worship the Lord together. Oh.
Hosanna. Stay with me and worship him. Come on. In the heart. Let our King be lifted up. Let our King be lifted up. Worship Him with your voices. about the genealogy of Jesus. He is the King, Messiah. But He likes to use probably the lowest, the weakest. To be part of His family. Sometimes you feel like David, because he was rejected by his own brothers, looked down on him as a shepherd boy. Somebody you feel like Ruth, perhaps you use the word, my life is so unlucky. Sometimes you feel like Rahab, so poor until she has to become a prostitute. Sometimes you, you feel like just some of these people, you have been a, probably a liar, people label you as that, like Abraham, made a mistake, uh, Lie about his wife. Yeah, we have made mistakes. David even made big mistakes. You know what I love reading this genealogy is Jesus loves them and loves us the same. He doesn't look down on where he came from, his genealogy. 
He put it right there for us to see. And He wants us to walk into His kingdom, seek Him, become His kingdom priest, and live for Him. I want to release this to you, friends, as you leave this place. Don't look at what your background or even your situation right now. Look at now in Christ Jesus, we are a kingdom of priests. Walk out from this place, go and live as the prince of the kingdom of heaven. Knowing that you, wherever you go, you're bringing the kingdom of heaven to that place. And I want to release this blessing to you, church, that you are not just an ordinary person, but you are a child of the king of heaven. And so wherever you go, your school, your workplace, know that you are bringing the kingdom of heaven to that place. So I've released that over to you, church, today. And so as you leave this place, knowing that God has said, God with us, Emmanuel, He will surely be with you to the very end of the age. He has never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless your people today. May this blessing follow us all the days of our lives. Every single one of our family members, Lord, will be called blessed. Thank you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The kingdom of priests, come on, give the Lord a big praise. Hallelujah. Thank you. God bless you. The service is over. Thank you for tuning in to Live Podcast. We hope that you will be challenged by this message and you will share it with your friends, family member and co-worker. We hope you have a great day. God bless you.